Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago guides you through the rocky landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. Children's museums are great examples of visitor-centered museums. Hi, I'm Margaret Middleton. I'm an independent exhibit designer. My favorite thing about children's museums is that they're the only museum that has the user or the visitor right there in the title. It's for children. People are at the center. The way that I approach designing children's exhibits is usually through visitor outcomes, which is a little different than for adult exhibits, which would be learning outcomes. So instead of main messages, we're we're going for more like what would be developmentally appropriate and what are some of the the skills that people that age are working on. So we might think about offering opportunities for adults and children to play together, social play. We might offer places to be like safely hidden away, um, which would be practicing independence, um, opportunities for gross motor development and fine motor development. So offering a variety of different experiences that are developmentally appropriate. Middleton has worked on museums across New England and the United States. Most recently, Middleton designed and oversaw the installation of the children's exhibits at the Discovery Museum in Acton, Massachusetts. Middleton has a degree in industrial design from the Rhode Island School of Design, which informs a focus on the user slash visitor. In my industrial design training, the design process that I learned was a about focusing on the user. So in this case, the user is the visitor and um, problem solving. So if, the, if the, the problem ahead of us is we need this beloved exhibit turned into something that's more accessible and friendlier for adults, then we are thinking about like all of the different ways that we can accomplish that um, with the visitor at the center. One of the things that we in children's museums try to do is to model some ways for a family to play together at home or anywhere else on their own free time. So one of the techniques that I'll use is to feature familiar objects, maybe a spoon or a colander, something that that someone might have access to when they're not at the children's museum. And a lot of times the messaging that I'll use in a children's museum exhibit is focused on the grown-up. Most of our visitors to the children's museum who are children are not old enough to read yet. So all of the text is focused on grown-ups. And that's our little direct route to speaking to the adults in the room. And that's a great place to say something about what are you noticing about how children are playing and interacting in the space. And we can give them ideas for stuff to do at home or help them see the way that a child is developing. I think sometimes grownups like to geek out about learning about how children learn. And that's a that's a great way to engage grown-ups in that space too. Something that I think that other museums can learn from children's museums is that 
something that would be considered best practice in a children's museum setting would be compiling and engaging a community advisor group for every single new exhibition that they're developing. And it's it's just part of the way that we in the children's museum feel do things. And I think it's so smart. What it usually involves is reaching out to local, you could call them stakeholders or experts, representatives, and bringing them all together to talk about whatever, whatever that exhibition is going to be about. So if it's about astronomy, we will invite astronomers, but we'll also invite someone who leads school group programs at the local observatory or somebody who's studying space or maybe someone who is making art about space and really like focusing on people who are thinking about children, thinking about families, and maybe have families of their own. I think it's pretty straightforward. I think that any museum could do that. But I also find that not everyone is aware of all of the really intense thinking that goes into developing children's um, experiences in a museum setting. I think sometimes children's museums are seen as simply play spaces that are just based on what children enjoy. So there would be no difference between a children's museum and the playground in your city park or Chuck E. Cheese or something like that. I know plenty of people in the rest of the museum field who don't necessarily even consider children's museums museums for that reason. In 2014, Middleton published a guide to introducing family-inclusive language into museums. Family-inclusive language doesn't make assumptions about relationships between people. The guide helps a museum avoid problematic phrases in signage, marketing, and scripts. The guide also helpfully explains why certain phrases are problematic and demonstrates the importance of thinking critically about how your words reflect the mission of the museum. You can find a link to Middleton's guide in the show notes. Middleton also thinks critically about language during the design process. One of the things that I talk with museums about when it comes to language um, and words to avoid often have to do with gender and reinforcing a binary. So I'll do an exercise with a museum team and we'll talk about what are all of the different ways we can refer to visitors without gendering them. So we could say, instead of saying ladies and gentlemen or boys and girls, we could say, we could say welcome museum visitors. We could also say welcome art lovers or uh, science enthusiasts or scholars or learners or students. There's some really interesting research out there that suggests that introducing a label like scientist or artist to a child can help them imagine themselves in that identity and prepare them for that kind of learning. I think I probably use the word visitor because that's the common word that gets used. It's part of our museum field vernacular. I like guest because it, um, evokes a sense of hospitality 
And there's a certain amount of customer service that I imagine going with the word guest that I may not with visitor. I actually like the word user sometimes because it helps me remember that a visitor is not just passing through, they're using the exhibit and that they may have a different goal in mind than I do. The suggestions that I make about language, I don't necessarily, I'm not always great about using myself. Um, But I like the exercise of being thoughtful around language. When I'm talking, when I I lead um, a workshop about family inclusive language, for example, I like to think that we're working together to use language more precisely and also more creatively. A lot of the words that we have as go-tos are actually not we use them all the time. There aren't, we're not using different forms of them. So this is a way to spice up our language a little bit too, and be really specific for the environment that we're in. When we spoke, Middleton was preparing to attend museum conferences and was thinking about ways to make museum conferences more accessible to lower income people and people who aren't attached to an institution. As an independent museum professional, and I've only been independent for a couple of years now, so I'm still learning what it's like to be untethered that way. I am more aware than ever of the restrictions there are in participating in the museum field, like financial uh, hurdles and and things like that. So it's it's definitely something that I'm I'm thinking about because I'm. I'm really lucky that I seem to be able to leverage different opportunities to be able to go to conferences, but that's not part of the system. And I would really like to see museum conferences getting better about that. I see a lot of need there. I'm fascinated by Middleton's work. And if you're interested in this podcast, you should be too. It's clear and effective, and it is actively working to change museums. I can't wait to visit an exhibit that Middleton designed. To find more of Middleton's work, portfolio, and writing, go to margaretmiddleton.com or visit Twitter at M-A-G-M-I-D-D. This has been Museum Archipelago. We hope you enjoyed your visit. As you leave, consider becoming a member of Club Archipelago. In exchange, you'll get a members-only bonus podcast. This week, we visit Tsari Maligrad, a new museum complex in Bulgaria. You can join for $2 a month at patreon.com slash museumarchipelago. For more information or to submit feedback, go to museumarchipelago.com or museum underscore go on Twitter. Next time, bring a friend.